Welcome to the most enchanted podcast in all the realms. I'm Lynn. I'm Elisa. And I'm Chell. Together, we are the, the Narrators, Narrators 3. And this is Once Upon a Rewatch, where all plot devices come with a price. Welcome to Once Upon a Rewatch, Season 3, Episode 12, New York Serenade. The original air date was March 9th, 2014. The writers were the Kitsuits. The director was Billy Gearhart, whose directorial work also includes episodes for Torchwood, The Walking Dead, Sons of Anarchy, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and SWAT. The title card is the New York City skyline. We begin in the Enchanted Forest, where we are informed it is one year prior to the last scene in episode 11, Going Home. Prince Philip rides on horseback to a pavilion where Aurora is waiting for him. Philip? I do not mean this personally because you seem like a nice dude, but I am forever upset about Sleeping Warrior and what could have been. Just need to remind our listeners how upset I am. Aurora is the bi-wife and she has two spouses. Philip is fine, but he's no Mulan. I, I miss her very much. We all miss, miss Mulan. her very much. I miss mm-hmm. Sleeping Warrior. But I do love what they do here with the opening of the episode because it mirrors the opening of the pilot episode with Philip riding frantically through the sights of the Enchanted Forest. It's very similar of Charming's race to Snow White in season one, episode one. I think it's nicely done. And it has such season opener vibes. Like I, I really think Neverland should have been the season finale and, and this should have been a season premiere. There's such clear definition between the last one and this one. Yeah, I had the norm been, I think, you know, more truncated seasons like it is now. I think that that is what would have happened. Yeah. But it just wasn't the norm quite yet. Aurora has prepared lunch for them both and playfully complains that he is late. Stating that she is hungry and has missed him, she adds humorously that she is cranky due to her pregnancy. Their tender moment is interrupted by the ominous sound of thunder. They turn to see a purple cloud of smoke rolling towards them. It's really funny to me that Philip is shrieking about how they need to get to safety and his idea of them getting to safety is just crouching. They just crouch. <laughs> in their wide open gazebo, as effective as ducking under a desk when the A-bomb hits. <laughs> it's real It's real dumb because he's like screaming about it. He's like, <laughs> we got to get to safety. And it's just duck and cover. I'm like, oh boy, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he needs Mulan. Uh, just yeah, as much how, as she does. How are these dummies gonna survive without the lone brain cell? Oh my god! And then they, and then they, and then they have to raise a human being and <laughs> I, keep it How safe? is this gonna work? Oh, no. Milan was the smart one, and she's gone now. <laughs> how are these idiots gonna live? I don't know, but I'm really worried. <laughs> I don't think it's gonna go well. <laughs> Recognizing the cloud as magic. The couple attempts to outrun the oncoming Tempest, Mm. but it passes through them. Philip and Aurora are unharmed and see that a number of former Enchanted Forest inhabitants have appeared before them. Aurora is shocked to see Snow White and asks her what has happened. Morosely, Snow simply replies, we're back. They really put poor Charming back in the shirt he was stabbed to death in. I know, and that means poor Snow is also back in the outfit she gave birth in. Ugh. I mean, at least she got a nice cloak to cover up the fact that Jennifer was, like, real-life pregnant when this was happening. (laughs) 
Charming just gets a tattered shirt covered in his own death blood. <laughs> Poor guy. And then Belle just randomly in her ball gown. I know, she's just over here in something nice. And then there's Charming just like, yep, I died in this. In a flash forward of one year, Emma is in New York City. She enters an upscale restaurant to have dinner with Walsh, the most basic of Wonder Bread and her current boyfriend. This guy played a serial killer on Harper's Island hate this guy he's not good enough for emma even before what is revealed is later revealed in this episode he is he is squishy white bread incarnate he played a serial killer on harper's island what's harper's island he killed katie cassidy on harper's island it was it was, it was a mini series um did you have did you ever watch supernatural no <laughs> i was like i don't think you did and <laughs> she was on supernatural though she was on supernatural there was a woman on a supernatural there's actually a lot of women on Supernatural. They just all die gruesomely because the show is horribly misogynistic. Okay. Anyway, she was on that. Harper's Island is a mini series about a group of friends that go to an island for their friend's wedding, even though the island is like the site of a bunch of murders that happened when they were children. And one of the victims is even one of the people's moms. And then like the murders start up again with the same Why would while they they're all go? There. Because it's where they grew up. Oh. So they're like, sure, that happened when they were kids, but like, they also lived the rest of their lives there until they all went away from college. And now they're back to the, at the island for the wedding because it was uh, their childhood home. But the murders start back up with like the same MO. And it's like, how could this happen? This was like, you know, this much of a year's gap. Like, it couldn't be the same killer. Bobby from Supernatural is also on it, right? Yes. And he's wonderful. I love Jim Beaver. He's Abby's dad. That's why when we met him at the one convention, I was like, I'm watching Harper's Island. And I just keep being like, Abby, be nice to your dad. He was so lovely when we met him. Jim is Beaver Jim is a lovely, lovely man. Is Jim Beaver on Once Upon a Time? I would be not surprised, but I don't, I don't remember. I don't remember uh, him being on it, but so many people he, from Supernatural trickle on over. I wouldn't be surprised if he shows up at some point. What's his name? Jim Beaver. As in, like, the animal? Yeah, as yeah. in the animal with the big teeth. Let's see. Well, he was in a lot of Deadwood. Yes, he's a he's a major character on Deadwood. Mm -hmm. He's in The Boys currently. Well, um, so is Jensen Ackles, so I guess they're having a Supernatural reunion. The Boys showrunner is Eric Kripke, so Supernatural. I'm still not watching it. No, I'm, I'm not interested. I love Carl Urban, but I'm not. Uh, it's not for me. Count me out. And no, he was never a guest star on Once Upon a Time. He was doing other shit. He was, he was deep busy. in the supernatural right now. He was a regular on supernatural yeah, yeah. during was, this time. It makes sense to me that he wouldn't have been on Once Upon a Time because he he was in a lot of supernatural. Yeah, it said like sixty nine episodes. Yeah, which I ah. know. I know. <laughs> nice sixty nine, dude. <laughs> oh, I know that sixty nine is not really like all that significant in the uh grand scheme of supernatural episodes but but it was in the beginning because he was, it was in the beginning yeah he was the person who was on the show the most next to the the brothers yeah for a while because he was like essentially their mentor figure oh okay so he was 120 episodes so he was he was around for he was around for enough of it that was happening at the same time that Once Upon a Time was happening that I don't mm -hmm. think he would have had the time to be on mm -hmm. Once Upon a Time. Yeah. No. Even though they both filmed in Canada. Even though they both filmed in Canada, so he could probably could have walked two streets <laughs> over and been like, Okay, now I put on a cloak and I'm once upon a time man. He probably like was at least friends with some of the cast members, but Oh, I'm sure. Know. I'm sure, considering like it's like do a shot when someone's been on Supernatural in this show. Right. Anyways, Walsh. Mm. Blah. I mean, nothing against the actor. The actor's fine, but just not good enough for Emma. 
no. back on the subject. Not good enough. Even before the, the reveal, I'm just like, mm, this guy. Well, I mean, he kind of only plays dicks. He is that serial killer, which got us in the tangent <laughs> in the first place. I, everything I've seen him in, he played a dick. I, he might be perfectly nice in real life, but he does only play dicks. Walsh asks about Henry's recent science project, which Emma recounts went well, partially due to Walsh's help. After their meal, Walsh holds Emma's hand for a moment before excusing himself and mentions somewhat cryptically that he'll be back. During Walsh's absence, Hook sits in Walsh's vacant chair, startling Emma. He's back! I like that Hook has just been walking around New York still in his pirate getup, and no one is even phased by that. But, like, I, I guess I guess it is New York. <laughs> I hope that New York Nico took his photo, and maybe he was even profiled on Humans of New York, the Instagram account. He had to have been. He had, had to have been. I feel like there had to have been multiple posts. Of <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Part like 13 and everyone's Part 13, like, Pirate Man. Pirate Man. Pirate Man spotted again. For our the, favorite memeing account, Captain Floor on Instagram. Oh, yeah. If they've not mocked up a Humans of New York hook piece yet. I, oh my God. I'm that manifesting be... that to the universe. <laughs> oh, I will outright suggest it to them. Oh my God. Oh my God, they're... Their Mary Margaret like Facebook account. Was oh, so I saw funny. that. That was, was very really good. good. <laughs> and how it changes with the seasons. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Emma, still having no memory of Hook outside of the weirdo who got into her building, pounded on her door during her very important pancake time and laid a non consensual smooch on her, insists that he leave. Hook is persistent, telling her that her current life is a sham and warning her that her parents are in grave danger. Hook insists that he has proof of this, and hands her a paper with an address on it, claiming that the truth of who Emma is, and where her parents are, can be found there. Emma rebuffs him, to which Hook then states that they've met before a year ago. Emma denies this, claiming that a year ago, she was in Boston, where her apartment had caught fire, prompting her to move to New York. Hook muses that Regina's curse is the cause of these false memories. At this point, Emma calls him a crazy liar, but Hook prefers dashing rapscallion or scoundrel. Dashing rapscallion has my vote. And I do love that she says to give her one good reason not to punch him in the face because we love an angry Emma. We love a Hulk Emma. We do. Hook challenges her to use her superpower. Hook wins that round. But Emma insists that just because one believes something does not make it real, which is a very season one Emma line. And it feels very appropriate here with this, you know, memory modified Emma. Mm -hmm. Once again, Hook implores Emma to go to the address he has given her and that he'll be waiting to hear from her at Central Park. He tells her not to do it for him or even herself before her family who needs Emma's help. When he leaves, Emma is bewildered. In a flashback of the Enchanted Forest, Snow White, Prince Charming, Hook, and Regina are catching up on what has happened during their absence. Aurora reports that the ogres have since been defeated and that they are in the process of restoring their kingdom. Snow White observes and congratulates Aurora on her pregnancy. Prince Philip says that they have much to celebrate and offers them all refuge within their kingdom. This earns a troubled look from Aurora, who's being shady as fuck. Mm -hmm. 
Prince Charming is grateful, but says that they have their own castle to go to. Snow White reminds him that their castle was decimated by the curse. However, Aurora informs them that Regina's former castle still stands, as Regina had protected it. After a brief spar between Charming and Regina over who is the castle's rightful owner, Snow declares that they're going to reclaim the castle, and Regina is going to go with them. Regina finds the idea laughable, but Snow White insists, arguing that being united will give their people the hope they need at this troubled time. They then bid their farewells. Snow is like, we are BFFs for life now, Regina. Deal with it. Yeah, I love that Regina is all like, ugh, all right, if you insist. Like, she's just pretending her feathers are ruffled and she's too much of a bad girl to be seen united with Snow. But I bet deep down she's like, ooh, her heart I is finally ooh. have flams. Yeah. <laughs> People like me. People like me. Ooh, 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 ooh. Now, alone with Prince Philip, Aurora gives voice to her worries that they must inform a mysterious her that the people of the enchanted forest have returned. Philip is loath to do so, being fearful of what this unnamed woman will do to them. But Aurora is more worried what she will do if they fail to inform her of their return, reasoning that she may harm their yet unborn child. Aurora says they just have to hope the Enchanted Forest folks can look after themselves. That's cold, Aurora. I know. I was like, damn, brutal. Back in New York City, Walsh returns to a pensive Emma. He asks her what the paper, which Hook gave her, is, and she replies it's nothing. She is then given a dish with a dessert on it, and she says that she's full. He recounts their first date before asking her to look at the dessert, in which he spins the dish around to reveal a ring surrounded by swirls of chocolate. Walsh tells her that he couldn't wait any longer and that he loves her and Henry. She is left speechless as he proposed to her. She's then seen walking out of the restaurant, and Walsh catches up to her. She tells him that it's too fast and that they've been together for only eight months. After a brief conversation, he tells her that she can take as much time as she wants. And I feel like they're really trying to get us to like him with him being like, I'll wait for you. And him like being like, I helped Henry on stuff and I care about Henry and Henry cares about me. But and like, I don't know. He, like we don't even have to give, even if you take for like 60 years, it's totally cool. But like, I don't know. I don't know if it's just because I've seen this episode before or not, but I just get such bad vibes off Walsh. I'm like, I don't believe you as far as I can throw you. Yeah. I'm watching it and going, boo, I watched you murder Katie Cassidy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like my, like, like this viewing is, is quite tainted by the fact that like, I've seen this episode probably like twice and not all that long ago. So I can't, I can't say what I recall like I, I don't remember what my initial feeling was before I haven't seen this episode since it first aired mm. so it's it's been a while and I feel like the twist at the end of it really made me be like what 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 <laughs> but we'll talk about it when we get there I mean I told you the Harper's Island thing when we first watched it yeah you were like that's a serial killer I was like he is serial killer on Harper's Island yo <laughs> just saying Emma's dating a serial killer <laughs> Alicia looks so good on that date, though. And, like, those shoes Oh, my are God, giving... her arms. Can we talk mm -hmm. about how her arms looked in her sheath dress? Mm -hmm. She looks so good. And her shoes... So I was are... like, hello. 
are so <laughs> the shoes, tall. Yeah, yeah, and they actually, um, when I was looking at the costume notes, she's worn those shoes before. It's what she wears in pilot, right? When she goes I on think the fake so. date with the- Yeah, because she has some big old honkers when she's stamping out to the car that she put yeah. the boot on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think this is very similar to what she wears on that fake date. There's so yeah. many callbacks to the pilot episode in this episode. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a lot of things like that. Yeah. Back at their apartment, Henry is seen playing a video game when Emma returns from her date. And Emma and Henry playing video games together is a very cute and soft moment. It may also be product placement, but it's heartwarming product placement all the same. It might be product placement, but I think he says that he beat or he just got to level 23, which is supposed to be a reference to D23. Nice. We're going to D23 in the fall. Can we discuss, though, Emma's insane button mashing (laughs) that is totally playing a video game, though, because that was madness. She just keeps wiggling the one joystick, too. She's like, she's doing this thing where she's like, I've never handled a controller before, so clearly when you play video games, you must try to press all the buttons at the same time, even if they don't (laughs) actually do anything. Because she's, like, hitting the triggers and slamming both the joysticks while also, like, trying to hit every single button on the pad. And I was like, there's no video game that requires all that. (laughs) Well, I I do have to say, I am a wild button smasher. I mean, there's button mashing, and then there's whatever that was. (laughs) which was just flapping her hands around the controllers like a maniac. (laughs) Henry asked Emma what she said, having seen the writing on the wall that Walsh was going to pop the question. Emma is quiet for a moment, prompting Henry to go, poor guy. Emma says that she didn't say no. Henry thinks if her answer was not an immediate yes, it must be a no, and he pities Walsh. After Emma insists she needs more time to contemplate the addition of a third person and their otherwise happy family, Henry points out that Walsh is not like his father because he isn't going to abandon them. Poor Neil. We seem to all be forgetting the real villain of that story. Fucking August! (laughs) Right now, Emma and Henry live in a world where they don't even know August exists. I wish I lived in a world where I didn't know August existed. (laughs) a year earlier back in the enchanted forest everyone is making preparations for the queen's castle as the dwarves celebrate how handsome they look now jiminy lands on grumpy's shoulder and informs him that 50 more people from storybrook have arrived poor jiminy doesn't have his translator which is probably because they didn't have Raphael for this episode also, I feel really bad for poor Archie. Like, sure, the dwarves are happy to be back and they're like, we're handsome again. But Archie was an adorable man with a cute dog. And now he's a cricket again. And he doesn't even have his little translator talkie box. I know. Poor chirp chirp. I imagine Raphael was not available for the ADR. Yeah, he must have been doing something. After Prince Charming hears this, he charges the dwarves with rounding up the civilians to tell them to make haste towards the queen's castle. Charming subsequently finds Hook loading up his horse. And Charming is like, you finally won me over to be your friend. And now you're leaving me. Poor Charming. He tells Hook that he doesn't need to pack that much, as the palace is less than a day away. But Hook tells him that he is going to find the Jolly Roger. Or take another ship if he cannot find her. 
Snow and Charming are disappointed that Hook will not stay. Okay, but I just have to point out that Colin's Irish accent slipped out when he said the word worked. I'm going to have to pay more attention to the or sound from him because it's so cute. He does a voice in the new movie, Luck. I, I haven't seen it yet, but he's apparently Jerry, whoever Jerry is. I know he's not the black cat. That's Simon Pegg. I don't I don't know what this movie is. It's an animated movie that's coming out or just came out. Huh. It looks cute. Disney? No, oh. it's I think it's on coming out on Apple. Yeah, Apple TV. So I don't know yeah. what studio is doing it, but it's a It's probably Apple Studios. I mean Probably. Don't but they the main characters are a girl and a talking black cat, so I'm fucking Aww. in. Yeah, and the the lead voice is Eurydice's from Hades Town. Oh. Cool. But she's wonderful too. So I'm I'm excited. I want to watch it. It looks cute. Simon Pegg. And Simon, Simon Pegg. Pegg. We all love Simon Pegg. Yeah, Simon it's Pegg. a little black cat. No, a little black cat. It's a little Salem. Neil then comes up to Snow and Charming, asking if he can swing by Rumpelstiltskin's castle to find a way to potentially revive his father so he can bring him to Emma and Henry. I'm glad Neil is here, even if it looks like they just threw a carpet on him and called it a day. It's actually like a lovely tunic that he's wearing because I saw some close-ups in the episode gallery. So I saw some close-ups of the tunic peeking out of the wool. Like, well, you know what I'm saying, the wool rug that's around him. And it looks very nice. So I'm really sad that, yeah, they... All you see is the carpet, though. Yeah, we yeah. need to, to drop the carpet. Be like the scene of grandmother, it's grandmama. Me. It's me, Anastasia. <laughs> we need him to do that so we can see that outfit because it just looks like he's wearing Granny's rug right now. <laughs> Snow and Charming tell Neil that his desired task is impossible and he should leave it alone to give them their best chance. Okay, quick question: Do you think Snow and Charming are sort of rolling over and taking it? Like, they're usually all about hope and, and the fight and the never stopping, the I will always find you. Neil wants to put in that kind of effort, and I feel like they would have previously cheered it on and done so themselves. Hypocritical, or are they just tired of all of the magical shenanigans that's been happening to them? I'd be tired, too, if I'd had to wear the shirt I'd been murdered in. <laughs> or gave birth in. Yikes. Ugh. <laughs> but, but to be serious in my answer... I'm pretty sure they're they're being self-sacrificing here. I I think mm. they're both thinking that Emma would actually be happier in the land without magic with Henry, that she's better off never knowing the heartache she's gone through recently these these past few years and and getting to have that gift of getting to raise Henry from the beginning like Snow and Charming so badly wanted themselves for Emma. So I I think I think they are thinking of Emma that this is better for her, that they are giving Emma and Henry their best chance, a fresh start that they themselves couldn't get. So I think that's what's actually going on here. Okay. I just, I I was just curious. I was like, huh. Or it's inconsistent writing, but. but no, I, I think you're <laughs> right. I think you're right. I know that like this kind of era, allegedly, because I haven't gotten far beyond, like I've never gotten beyond this season. This is like where like criticisms will start to come up of like the the quote-unquote heroes you know and like inconsistency with like their actions versus their words towards other people so I don't know if this is like where it started I don't know you know this is just shit I'm basically reading on tumblr I just I wanted to like ask you guys and get your perspective on this particular instance I mean not going too in deep to it because I don't want to be like spoiler city mm -hmm. but I feel like the only time that I'm truly like uh oh 
about the Charmings is a plot in season 4B. Okay. I have, yeah, I have no idea. Uh, yeah, so is. part of the Maleficent storyline. Oh, okay. I probably don't remember this because I don't know what you're talking about right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Flash forward to New York. As Henry is getting ready to go to school, he accuses Emma of worrying. I mean, her mind being elsewhere might excuse why she's in the worst outfit I've ever seen her crammed in in this entire show. <laughs> and part of that is Jen's doing. Oh, bless her heart. Because <laughs> it's it's not good. It's the, not a good outfit. She's got a lot on her mind. The trousers would work if the top was just solid and plain. It's, yeah. It's the weird combo of like the weird fishnetty top and then the way she has the trousers tucked into her boots make them look like they're too short so then, then like it looks the little, like she's that they have like little flouncy shoulders yeah it's it's weird and like so it looks like she's got i don't know she looks like an idiot trying to go to her first goth club mm-hmm. <laughs> like she's just got her two short plaid pants on and a fishnet top and she's yeah. all like i don't know i stopped she, by hot topic on the way oh, here like no oh. it's me in high school <laughs> and i was gonna say but she couldn't afford like the pop, the proper like NYC or trip pants, like plaid pants, like the ska pants. So she just like she grabbed it was on the bargain rack at Hot Topic. <laughs> not even like the bargain rack of like Sears, because it's definitely like <laughs> a slim cut. Whereas like those were like with the chains were a little, you know, they were either like super super tight, but they were very clearly like red plaid, like tartan. It's the stuff your grandma buys you at Sears because she's like, this is that goth thing you're into, right? And you're like, yeah. it's not. It's not it's, grandma. It's, it's, it's not. not. Thank you, grandma. Yeah. Oh, yeah, thank something you, my, grandma. And you just shove it in the back of your closet. Absolutely <laughs> purchased for me, thinking that she was doing me a solid. Oh Christ! At least my mom wouldn't know. She was a punk in the '70s. She at least knew what was what. <laughs> No. <laughs> my mom did get me on authentic Renfair blousey thing that I still have to this day. Still fits me. Nice. No, good job. Except she got me like an XXL when I was, you know, a small. <laughs> and I was like, what? Is it the John Mulaney routine? <laughs> you could yeah. wear it to bed. Yes, I could. I could absolutely. I could still, even me being the way that I am now, could wear it to bed. <laughs> was there ever a was ghost it, mother? Was or it was just- it just me? <laughs> <laughs> Emma tells Henry that she is thinking and when he asks if it's about Walsh, she responds with a no and then a deceptive yes. After Henry leaves, Emma looks at the address Hook gave her and she goes there. Okay, this drives me off the wall. Mm. The show is once again dumb and using an address without a specific apartment number. 89 Worcester Street is a real building or was a real building because when I looked it up on Google Maps, it looks like it has just recently been knocked down. It's in Soho. That I knew. I've totally been down in that area. I went to a lot of really cool gay art galleries down there. But yeah, even like his, the address that we see on his mail is just 89 Worcester. And I'm like, but there were like, when Emma was there, like there were tons of apartments in that. So it has to be like number blah, blah, blah. I don't know. It just bothers me. It bothers me. Uh, the the writers get confused when things aren't in Boston. (laughs) That's the best thing I've got. They're like, oh, it's not in Boston. We don't know. Yeah, I think the real reason is if since it is a real building or was a real building, Mm -hmm. they don't want to give apartment numbers just like they don't want to give real phone numbers because people are going to call those things. People are going to show up on that doorstep. Sure. I mean, like what happened with Squid Game? Yes, exactly. (laughs) What happened with Squid Game? It's a real (laughs) phone number, right? Yeah, they put a real phone number in and then Netflix had to go back in and edit it because there was just this poor person in Korea being like, please stop calling me. Oh, I am not Squid Game. I will not get you into the Squid Game. All right, fair, fair. (laughs) Emma picks the lock on the door 
and enters what we know is Neil's apartment, completely as it was in season two. And I like that she goes straight for the break-in, never even knocks once. Except, okay, who the fuck has been paying this rent? <laughs> like, that man did not own that apartment. I mean, maybe. Oh, mysterious benefactor. Buying in Soho? Maybe he just paid rent in advance. Maybe he was like, I got all this money. I'm not good at with money. Just here's my rent for five years. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to assume he owned it, I guess. I'm going to have to, just for my sanity. Just so I don't wake up at two in the morning, like going, but who the fuck was paying the rent? Well, he probably had some robber money. Maybe he bought it with his robber money. There you go. Okay. August hush money. Yeah. (laughs) Shit. The money that August fucking hustled him out of. (gasps) Maybe August actually paid him back. Maybe Mm -hmm. August is paying for the fucking apartment. Yeah, maybe that's his penance. Actually, taking all that money meant for him. You know what? I actually wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, August is doing it. Okay. There we go. We solved the mystery. We did. When Emma sees a dream catcher, she realizes that she is in Neil's apartment. The unopened mail on the dusty coffee table confirms it. After looking around, she finds a bloodied rag, previously used to help staunch Mr. Gold's bleeding wound, and then a camera, with a strap embroidered with Henry's name on it. The camera being left behind is actually a pretty clever plot device to get Emma the proof she needs. So actually, well done, Kitsuits, for thinking of this. Also, I just realized uh, if we're keeping with Once Upon a Rewatch canon, I'm glad Emma didn't look in the pantry where Hook was stored and eating all his cans of tuna. <laughs> oh, that's right. Just being uh, there, down just, in the basement. Yeah. Just eating, littered with cans of tuna. Eating a million cans of tuna. I forgot about that. I'm sure, I'm sure the poor superintendent of that building had to clean up all those cans of tuna. Or the rats carried it away. Say, or didn't look at the state of the place. Yeah. yeah. Emma then immediately meets Hook at Central Park to discuss her findings with him. She asks him about the camera and if Neil is trying to get into Henry's life. But Hook insists that Henry left his camera there when he was there a year prior. When Emma asks for real proof, Hook tries to give her a vial containing a potion which will reinstate her memories. Fed up, Emma handcuffs him to a bench and has him arrested for assault and harassment. <laughs> oh, were it that easy to arrest a white man? Back to one year ago. Everyone is making the journey to the Dark Palace. Belle comforts her honorary stepson, telling him that Neil will see Emma and Henry one day again. She reminds Neil that when Mr. Gold allegedly died, they never saw his knife. Ergo, Belle believes they can get him back. I'm not like other moms. I'm a cool mom. (laughs) I'll let you smoke weed on the back porch. Still has to be outside. But I'd rather you do it under my roof than out in the streets. If you're going to drink, I'd rather you do it here where you're safe. Yes. (laughs) Feels like, ma'am, I'm I'm older than you. (laughs) (laughs) By a few hundred years. Which I'm really trying to get my head around because you're my father's girlfriend and I'm much older than you are. Snow White tells Prince Charming that she never imagined returning to her home with Regina by her side. As she says this... Grumpy runs up and informs her that Regina is nowhere to be found. Snow White sighs in exasperation. You can hear the, God damn it, Regina, in Snow's head. Snow finds Regina, burying her heart in the woods. (laughs) Like a fucking squirrel. (laughs) 
like just like i love that she nuts. is like literally digging with like she's like down on her knees with her hands her yeah. glove i think they're gloved but like she's wearing this gorgeous fucking outfit that's all blinged out and like diamonds and garnets and rubies and shit not to mention these gorgeous silk cape and she's just like rustle 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 yeah <laughs> and she's like i've been caught and like tries to like nudge the dirt in to bury it. yeah i mean <laughs> if it makes you feel any better at least she's got a little stick yeah she does have a stick <laughs> so at least she's not just with her hands just <laughs> scooping dirt out honestly it's very pathetic <laughs> oh, and i think that's why no was just like she's oh like, no what is this what are you doing oh no what are you doing oh come on i thought you we were past all this <laughs> <laughs> I believe in my heart that, that Snow is relieved. Oh, yeah. Like some of she's like, oh, thank God. <laughs> she's like, she's like, you're just plotting. you're just like acting crazy. That's like a crazy I can deal with. It's not you're like not murderous. Evil. You're just over here being a weird ass raccoon for some reason. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just burying shit in the woods. Burying your little treasures. <laughs> <laughs> like a chipmunk. Burying your shiny things so the others can't steal them. <laughs> The pain of being separated from Henry is a weight too great for Regina to bear. Snow gently convinces that extracting her heart is not the answer, and that life will get better, but only with her heart intact. Because only with her heart intact will Regina be able to find the one thing Henry has always wanted her to have, happiness. Regina does not believe she can be happy without Henry, but Snow encourages her to find a way for Henry. Resigned, Regina places her heart back into her chest. Oh, all right, I guess. I guess. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, we're all laughing and it is ridiculous. But it is actually a really gorgeous, very tender scene. I love this moment between them. It was a very lovely heart to heart. And I'm such a fan of the evolution of Regina and Snow White and how Regina, like, genuinely respects her. It is kind of showing that now and... And Snow genuinely cares. I mean, Snow's always genuinely cared and just kind of like hit her limit, but she she genuinely cares. And it's it's very lovely. I do wish Regina had brushed her heart clean better before putting it back in. Oh though. yeah, no, that thing's just filthy when she crams it back in. <laughs> it was just in the dirt and she just she just sticks that sucker back in her chest. She does kind of just go, meh, good enough. <laughs> As they're leaving the woods together. They are attacked by a flying monkey. <sighs> Regina naturally throws her trademark <sighs> fireball at it, but the monkey manages to dodge it and injures her in the process. Luckily, Robin Hood and his merry men are able to shoot the monkey who flies away. Robin Hood tries to assist Regina up, but she rebuffs him. I do appreciate the absolute lack of fucks Regina has displayed since returning <laughs> to the Enchanted Forest. Lana's delivery of the line... Well, I'm sure you deserved it. To Robin, after he states her guards used to chase him around, was hilarious. She has no fucks at all. It's one of my favorite moments in the episode. I also like Robin's just like, well, fuck you too. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> Snow, Robin, Little John, and Regina head off to rejoin the others and warn them of a new critter lurking out to get them. We then return to present-day Manhattan where Emma and Henry walk home. Emma tells him that she is thinking about marrying Walsh. She tells him that perhaps the hurt experienced by Henry's birth father got in the way of her moving forward. But it is time they did, together. 
Henry tells her that he arranged a date with her and Walsh and a sleepover at a friend's house so they can talk privately. When they finally reach home, Emma tells Henry she forgot something and tells him to go ahead. Emma takes a look at the now-developed photos she was carrying and is shocked with what she sees. After this, she bails Hook out of jail and asks him about the photos. Let's take a moment to appreciate Hook and how he said that this was the worst brig that he had ever been locked up in because he was force-fed something called baloney, which I love, but I mean, we've already established that I'm a mayo-loving garbage possum. I've never eaten bologna in my life because even as a child, when I I still ate ate meat back then, I was frightened of it. <laughs> I was just like, Mm-mm. Lynn, did you ever eat meat? I stopped eating meat when I was ten. Oh, okay. But the way you really intensely said bologna reminded me of the weird Game Grumps Bologna Man fake horror movie. What? <laughs> oh God, I'm gonna have to go find it. Elisa, do you remember Bologna Man? I do remember Bologna Man. Bologna Man. <laughs> I have to go find it. Hook knows deep down Emma feels like her life is wrong. Even if she insists it is a pretty good life, it is still built on lies. He advises her to trust her instincts, exactly what Henry has been telling his mother as well. Confused, Emma is at a loss of what to do. Hook insists it will only make sense if she drinks the potion, which he hands to her. When Emma drinks it, she remembers everything that was wiped away. With recognition finally in Emma's eyes now, Hook asks, Did you miss me? In the enchanted forest of the single year past, Robin Hood, Regina, and Snow White rejoin the group, and Robin Hood reunites with Neil and Belle. Belle and Robin hugging was very cute. Apparently, I just really like when random one-off character pairings are reunited in random later episodes, like Snow and Ariel in the two episodes ago you do you find it very heartwarming i do i'm just like oh they were friends and now they see each <laughs> other again yay but oh, i'm such babe. a i'm such a minor character people in things i watch i'm just like minor characters look yeah. they're interacting this makes me happy Snow tries to prod a little girl gossip with Regina, remarking that Robin Hood is kind of cute. Regina insists he smells like the forest. I mean, he's no Tom Ellis. That would be hilarious if that's what she said. <laughs> I mean, he's no Tom Ellis. <laughs> Did he play Gary Snow White. on Snow Miranda? Like, he's kind of cute, though. I mean, he's no Tom Ellis. <laughs> like, I mean, he's no Lucifer. <laughs> Sorry, Sean McGuire. Wait, I appreciate you. But I appreciate I'm not you. sorry. I miss Tom Ellis. I love Tom Ellis. I, I do. Love, I love Tom him. Ellis so much. I'm not sorry at all. I'll be over here yelling about how I was robbed because he looked real cute as Robin Hood. He did look really cute as Robin Hood. The group soon reaches the castle and realizes that there is a protection spell surrounding the grounds. Regina is outraged and wants to charge in fireballs ablazing. But Charming insists they need to get the people to safety first. Robin offers safety in Sherwood Forest, and Regina agrees reluctantly on the promise of vengeance to whoever hijacked their castle. I do love that Regina changed her language to our instead of mine. 
when in regards to the castle. So cute. Yeah, she's accepted that they're BFFs now. Yeah, they're family. They're family. Also, she maybe hopes that Snow will be her future mother-in-law one day. So she's maybe she's trying to. Wait, what? Because she's Emma's mom and she's hot for Emma. Oh, right, 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 right. Okay. <laughs> I was like, draw me, Come a di- on. Dra- draw me a diagram of this. I don't understand. Okay. Oh, no. Yes. If, we, if we start drawing a diagram of all of the like weird incest levels of well, that's Once what Upon got a me, Time, that's we're going to just me. get nosebleeds because. Well, well, okay. So that's exactly what prompted this podcast and me like hitting you two up because I was literally looking for that, like someone who had done the entire crazy Charlie Day string theory work and made a proper family tree. And I saw a bunch of very, you know, good quality efforts, but I was like, I can't make fucking heads or tail of all of this. I just need to watch it one by one. Who can I torture with me? It's the Kevin Bacon thing, but worse. Yeah. It's how many degrees away from fucking Rumpelstiltskin. (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah. I was just making a Swan Queen joke. Like yes, I get it. We had no content this episode, so I made a funny that well, it's, that it's funny? hard for their us to have Swan Queen content when they're in two different dimensions for 99% of the episode. True. Yeah. Now we have the beginning of Outlaw Queen, which I'm not mad at. I I enjoy fine. it. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. He's mm-hmm. no Tom Ellis. <laughs> Meanwhile, in Manhattan, Emma and Hook have a drink at her apartment and discuss the current situation. When he tells her there is a new curse, she asks what could have happened, but Hook doesn't know and has no guesses who might be powerful enough to have cast another curse that could have sent everyone back to Storybrooke. Emma wonders what she should tell Henry, as Hook was only able to scrounge together enough ingredients for one memory potion. They are interrupted by the doorbell, which announces Walsh's arrival. Emma leaves Hook in her apartment and takes Walsh to a rooftop garden to tell him they can't get married because she has to face her past. Walsh is upset, but Emma is adamant that this choice is painful as she is unable to stay and keep this life. Walsh nods in resignation before saying he wished she never drank the potion and tries to attack her. And the moment when he just flips and angry throws the chair Mm. makes me so uncomfortable walsh is bad news yeah i actually um when i saw that you put that note in there i added um i flinched like i really did flinch i was like ugh, like oh men being angry like that like those blatant displays of anger is very visceral for me emma dodges his lunge and he goes sailing off the rooftop (laughs) Only to return as a flying monkey. No, ma'am. Like, why though? I mean, I've definitely dated some flying monkeys in my past. Ow! Is Emma being engaged to a flying monkey in the skies my least favorite moment on Once Upon a Time? Probably not the least, but it is in my top five. I hate this reveal so much poor emma so gross she dated this guy for eight months and they they do this to her i mean you know, he was you a know what my least favorite thing in once upon a time was what august 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 <laughs> i knew that i knew the answer i was very i was like wait wait i'm raising my hand yeah wait 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 august august <laughs> you get a star thank you Yay. it's a very specifically wooden august yes i was wooden like august. showing everyone is stupid like <laughs> 
Look at my leg! Don't you see it? <laughs> and half of the time, they just showed his adorable hairy man leg. <laughs> it was like, God. scalpel in it. Oh, my God. And the doctor's fucking like, uh-oh. Freak here. Emma fights back and eventually throws him off the roof. He disappears before he hits the ground. When Hook finds her, she says that they will leave for Storybrook in the morning. The next morning, Emma is making breakfast when Henry asks about Walsh. She tells him that she just wants it to be the two of them. Henry replies as long as she is happy. After Henry takes a bite of breakfast, he tells her he has to run to school. But Emma says he is not going to school because she has a case in Maine. What was the point of making breakfast if no one was going to eat it? You just wasted those scrambled eggs, Emma. You could have given them to me. I freaking love scrambled eggs. <laughs> he agrees to the trip just as Killian arrives, who Henry thinks is the perp. Emma says Killian is a client. And Killian is so upset. <laughs> Henry thinks his outfit is lame. I I love that Henry's like, what are you wearing? He's like, what are you wearing? And like, I know, I loved, to- I loved what are you wearing? wearing. <laughs> and, and Emma's just like, okay. All right, all right. Break it up, break it I up. I have two 11-year-old boys in this house now, I guess. <laughs> I, know, I think like Hook was just like so, so excited to see Henry. He's like, hey, kiddo, blah, blah, blah. What are you wearing? It's like, what are you wearing, punk? I'm so butthurt this child doesn't think I'm cool. <laughs> Emma He's like, has- damn it, damn it, he is Bay's son. <laughs> you get that sass from your father. <laughs> Un- ungrateful little twerp. <laughs> Emma has Henry and Killian take the luggage down to the car while she gets one last thing, her signature red jacket. Oh, yay, the jacket is back. It makes me so happy. Overall, Emma looks so good. I, I love this this last outfit she's in. Last outfit's very cute. When the trio arrives in Storybrook, night has fallen. Emma tells Hook to wait with the sleeping Henry while she talks to her parents. Emma goes to the Blanchard loft and finds David on the other side of the door. He tells Emma that the last year has been wiped from everyone's memories. The last thing they remember is saying goodbye to Emma and Henry. And Charming and Emma's hug was so sweet and so full of both surprise and relief about them remembering each other. I just... I love Dad Charming so much. Emma wonders how they even figured out that time had passed. When a heavily pregnant Mary Margaret rushes down the stairs to embrace her daughter, Emma wonders who the hell would have cast this insidious curse. That's pretty much how I feel about pregnancy too, yeah. (laughs) We flash back to a year prior in the halls of Regina and Snow White's castle where a woman walks and asks the flying monkey if they obtained Regina's blood. Oh, no, Chala good is. Sun's getting real low. Sun's getting real low. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you two are going to have to do that for me sometimes throughout the season. Yeah, I think so. Be like, real low, hey, buddy. hey there, big guy. <laughs> hey there, big guy. Hey, Chala, it's okay. Sun's getting it's real okay. low. Sun's getting real <laughs> low. <laughs> you, want, you want us to put on the full Monty? You want to watch? Oh my God! It will calm you down if Robert Carlyle's dancing in his undies. No, it will not. Thank you. Will that help? Will that help with the pain? No, no. But I did do a shot of Malibu rum inside of a passion fruit shell before we started this episode. So I mean, that sounds good. It's really good. (laughs) The flying monkey proudly displays its claws and releases the blood drops into a potion, which glows. 
excited for her revenge. The mystery woman gloats to herself in a mirror, saying that Regina may be evil, but she is wicked. And credits. Evil trumps wicked, you dipshit. Okay. The last three minutes and all those stupid fucking flying monkeys aside, this was actually a really good episode. I like Regina the most in this episode and all of the growth that she displayed. It's it's such a stupid ending line. Otherwise, this episode was it was okay. It gets a down vote for me because it has way too many monkeys. I can't in good conscience say an episode was good that had that many monkeys in it. <laughs> the flying monkey was terrible, but I, I enjoyed most everything else. It does a really solid job of setting up the main story beats to come in the Oz arc. The Enchanted Forest plotline had a nice bit of mystery and some really good character beats. And, and I enjoyed the New York plot besides Walsh. Nothing against the actor. I, I just don't understand the choice of him. As an Emma love interest, I, I, I don't really see what she sees in him. They're trying to trying to hint a little bit, being like, oh, he cares about Henry, things like that. But eh, it all ended a bananas twist of him being a flying monkey. God, did nope. you use the term bananas on purpose? I didn't, actually. I'm so upset with <laughs> that's you right just now. A, that's just a beautiful coincidence. I'm so upset right now. <laughs> but yeah, he's a flying monkey. And that's weird. I know we learn a little bit more about him, but like, Emma was dating a flying monkey for eight months and I, I she did not deserve that. But points to Jennifer Morrison for still keeping me engaged in this plot line, even though it turns out bonkers. Just like I was surprised the last episode wasn't a season finale, I'm also surprised that this isn't a season opener. It feels like one. But yeah, I mostly enjoyed this one. Too many monkeys. All right. So we have a question from Tumblr that I thought we could answer now. Sure. I, I saw it in our inbox and I grabbed it up. I scooped it up. So Anonymous says... Hi, do you know if they ever explained why Rumpel had to die in order for Peter to die? At first, I thought Rumpel just meant that Pan was so dangerous that Rumpel would probably get himself killed in trying to defeat him. I thought that too, question asker. But it seems he meant it literally. Do you think the shadow helped Malcolm absorb some of his son's youth? Or something else? Were their life forces connected? Or if they were perhaps connected in some other way for some other reason? As far as I know, at least up to this point, they do not explain why Rumpel had to die in order for Peter to die. It could be the relation connection. Yeah. And that's, that's, and that's like what I'm leaning towards. Yeah. Um, But, but they don't really, I don't know if they ever explain it fully, but they might. But as of right now, no, they have not. I've been thinking about this and I don't I don't remember them ever explaining it, but my thought is in the episode where we see the history of, of Malcolm and him becoming Pan, we do see him having to give up his son to gain that youth. And his responsibility to Rumple to his son is the reason why Neverland's magic couldn't work. So that had to be cut away. So I guess we can infer that Rumble's existence is important to Malcolm's existence that's somehow reliant on the other. Yeah. And that shadow voiced by the creep Marilyn Manson uh, could have brokered some kind of deal. And maybe, you know, maybe that's something that they intended to explain and then didn't. Maybe it's on the cutting room floor. Maybe it's in some script somewhere. 
maybe maybe there's even a, another deal because we know this history of Rumpel being a coward and Rumpel being very self-serving. Maybe this was a failsafe for Pan, right? He assumed Rumpel wasn't going to throw his life away. So he could use that as like a way to stay alive. Well, if Rumpel stays alive and he's, my son's the dark one now and, you know, he'll do anything to stay alive. So that's like a extra, you know, insurance for me to make sure nothing happens. But mm. they never explain it. I think there's some interesting ways we could explain it, but I don't think the show ever confirms why. Or if it does, I don't remember. All right. Costumes. I swear to God that the green CGI overlay on the Wicked Witch's skin because it didn't look great. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a visual effect too. It might be makeup enhanced, in quotes, yeah. by CG, but it's definitely not just body paint. It has very unnatural edges. It definitely looks like when you change the color of something in post-production. It could it could just be the blue screen that I know they use for the Zelina scenes. They pull out a blue screen instead of a green screen. That could be making the makeup look just a little off. I feel like the scenes that they do with the blue screens just often don't look as good as those with the green screens. I don't know if that's just personal preference, the way that color reflects on, on skin and uh, fabrics or things like that. But I, I do think blue always looks a little off, a little faker. Um, I don't know why. But yeah, it definitely seems like there's there's something visual happening it is it is not just practical effects making that that lady green i do like the like deep greens like almost blacks of selena's dress i think the dress looked very good even if that that face paint slash maybe cgi didn't look great Mm. I don't think anyone can notice the dress when that's going on. Like, I didn't even notice what she was wearing. I, was I did. I think, especially the back of the dress is beautiful. It's yeah, a, the back of really the dress is what dress. I noticed. And then, like, but when they, they did, like, the shot of her when she, like, turns around or when we see her, I was like, what the fuck is going on up here? <laughs> I was, yeah. I <laughs> she was has, like, distracted. a little, she has, like, a little pilgrim hat that's, like, kind of tilted. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's like they put a glow filter over it because oh. like her face looked like it was emitting light and i found it yeah. so wholly distracting that any bit of skin she had was just like a light bulb that i her couldn't focus on anything else yeah her any any exposed skin they like put like a glow filter over it looked like yeah i'm really wondering if they were having a lot of trouble with the 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 makeup and the the special effects screens maybe the problem was they hadn't figured out to use a blue screen yet yeah mm. and they were having the issue with it's against a green screen and it's also green makeup so she was clipping yeah oh and maybe that was them trying to compensate for oh shit we didn't think of the fact yeah. that green makeup on green skin means that we're just gonna have floating eyeballs i think it's a learning <laughs> curve because i, I do she eventually looks that's more what natural she does eventually look more natural in later episodes I so I'm, I'm wondering if they didn't figure out yet to use a blue screen right and they I just guess. were sticking with the green screen that they were traditionally using for everything else up to this point and then had an oh shit green person on green screen doesn't work and had to like do a lot of like post editing to it mm -hmm. yeah and that's why it just looks so incredibly funky that's my guess yeah i like emma's rad plaid fans um i just hated it with the top that they chose uh jen morrison chose plaid specifically for cursed emma to express like a sense of blended memories and confusion um that's why even the very end of Episode 11, when we first see her and Henry in New York, their PJs are also plaid. Mm -hmm. I like that she thought of that. Yeah. Like, I like that, that that level of care goes into her thinking about Emma. Oh, yeah. 
and I mean it shows it really shows Emma's such a lived-in character mm-hmm. like she feels very real so my favorite bell dress has shown up the lovely purple number that just sort of you know magically appears even though for whatever reason the curse sent her back in her golden ball gown fuck it the purple is at least a really lovely piece and I want it like throw in the matching purple leather gloves and the like mottled gray and magenta cloak. I also want to give a shout out to Robin Hood's costume. It's really good leather work, uh, likely hand painted and distressed in the costume workshop. And um, I'm just sad that they threw a rug over Neil's otherwise nice woodsy looking tunic. So hopefully he'll be without it in the next episode. I like the outfit that Emma wore to Storybrooke with the ruffle shirt and pencil skirt. It was cute. And I like Mary Margaret's little blue maternity dress. Yeah, her dress was so cute. What did you two think of Regina's outfit? Like for me, it was a bit much, but it's beautifully a bit much. And so is Regina. So I think it works. Has she worn that outfit before? Yes, we have seen it before. At the oh. very least, at the very least, the hair felt familiar to me. Oh, the she, hair is very we, familiar. We just it saw... Was the, it was the 80s hair with the red streak. With the Rufio, yeah, with we, the Rufio yeah. look. We just saw her in the shield in the flashback for the new Neverland. Uh, when she was taunting um, Snow White mm-hmm. on her honeymoon with Medusa. Yeah. This was the outfit she was wearing. Like, I do think it's oh. extra, but I feel like it's not too extra for the character. Right, Exactly. Like, it, I feel I, like anyone else in it, you'd be like, that's a bit much. But Regina's so over the top, I feel like it works. I yeah, really I, love the cape. The cape is my favorite. Oh, it's gorgeous. I need to go back. It might be in The Thing You Love Most, season one, episode two, because that, that is the, familiar to me. Because that's when she cast the curse, which oh, that going would make by sense. the logic, that is the outfit she should be wearing. That would make sense for her to be plopped back in that then, since yeah. everyone okay. kind of just got dumped into the thing they were last in, except for Belle. Except for so, Belle, who got to wear a pretty ball gown while everyone else was like, I died in this shirt. Oh, oh, okay. Theory, theory. All right. All right. Maybe Neil's granny rug is because when he got yeeted into the portal. He was a peasant. Yeah, he was a peasant and he was probably wearing like a peasant shawl. Yeah, that's the only thing that got left behind was was like his little blankie. Okay, but shouldn't his clothes be like comically short on him? <laughs> that would yes. be hilarious. Because oh, it be like, that. this is my outfit from when I was 10. <laughs> He's like, ah! <laughs> so she just have, just have like really, really short pants. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> He's like a little, He's... little crop top. He's a he's a little lad with like berries and cream. <laughs> that's that's I feel like we were robbed by not having him just like in the tiniest, tiniest clothes if it's gonna be what you wore the last time you were here. Absolutely. He should he should be in comically small clothing. Oh right. Belle being in her ba- ball gown, Regina gets bored. She probably could have just like zapped Belle into fancy dresses one time. And she's just hanging out in the dungeon. Yeah, who knows? who knows who cares to be honest (laughs) it's um, just sad funny that it's like absolutely that's not the last thing bell was in but let's give her the ball gown but you charming (laughs) you gotta wear the murder shirt (laughs) have fun sitting in your own blood all right so who's that guest star in season three episode 12 we have sean mcguire as robin hood part two Born in Ellis, not Tom Ellis. We have not Tom Ellis. We have not Tom Ellis as Robin Hood. <laughs> oh. Oh, I'm sorry, Sean oh, McGuire. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I miss Tom Ellis. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. We've had our fun. <laughs> 
Born in Essex, Sean McGuire comes from a family of teachers and has been professionally making films, television shows, and performing on stage for over 40 years. He has enjoyed roles in such titles as EastEnders, Dangerfield, Off Center, Eve, The Class, Crawd Mandoon, and The Flaming Sword of Fire. What the, the hell is that? A, it was a Comedy Central. It was basically oh, like okay. Gallivant kind of a Comedy Central oh, level. Okay. Oh, okay. And no singing. I like that kind of go, name you should that. go. You should go watch the trailer on IMDb. It's fucking hilarious. I, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm copy-pasting it right now. I see you copying and pasting. Because <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going to try and spell that. Are you serious? No. <laughs> the Magicians, The 100, and Action Royale. Here's some fun facts about our new Robin Hood. He currently operates the Players Conservatory, teaching acting to students from all over the globe. One of his students, Robbie Kay. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And actually, they're really good friends because I see them commenting on each other's Instagram posts like all the time. That's cute. And I was wondering like how that happened because I was like, how did that happen? How did they become friends? They like didn't film... Like probably the convention and, circuit and i think like i mentioned that and you said the convention circuit and i was like oh yeah and then i was like ah, oh, but this too so yeah it's pretty cool so sean mcguire has had several singles chart in the uk throughout the 1990s that was a very fun fact <laughs> his parents operate a very successful irish dance academy and his five siblings have all at one point or another been a part of river dance Oh my God, I love that. Isn't that amazing? Like he's like the, the black sheep of the family <laughs> who isn't part of Riverdance. He's not part of Riverdance. <laughs> who sang pop oh no. music and was on EastEnders. <laughs> I love everything we've learned about Sean McGuire. Yeah, I was like, there is no way I cannot like mention all of these things. <laughs> all right, it's time for Once Upon a Timeline. This one's an interesting one because this flashback takes place before the last scene in the last episode we saw. So it picks up immediately after the curse takes effect in season three, episode 11, Going Home. And then the scene we've seen that takes place the most immediately after this flashback is the one where Killian shows up on Emma's doorstep at the end of season three, episode 11, Going Home. So we just shove that right in the time gap of the last episode. And that's it. One of the shortest timelines we've ever had yeah especially after last week's or, oh my god but not last week's but especially after the last episode yeah yeah i think you deserved a break after the last episode, <laughs> yeah honestly. no shit i thought you were gonna have a stroke <laughs> <laughs> my speed run my speed run from the six different timeline flashbacks yeah i was like oh no this is getting nasty over there <laughs> all right time for some rants and raves me and Elisa had a little NorCal trip, and it was really nice. We went to our first convention since the plague descended, and while it was a little overwhelming, it was also fun to be back at a con and cosplaying, and they had really good safety precautions, which I appreciated. And we got to go hit up some of the things we missed in San Francisco from where we lived there and see some friends we hadn't seen in a while, and overall, it was just nice. Also, Sandman. Sandman was great. Oh, it was so good. So good. So, so good. good. So good. So good. We're I not going to spoil anything. We're not going to spoil we're not, anything. We're but not. It's good. It's we're good. Not. It's good. And I could write an entire essay about how much I loved death in it. She was mm -hmm. wonderful. I cried. It was so good. It was so oh, good. I cried. Oh, yeah. I cried. So by the time this episode airs, I'll have returned from both my volunteer gig and my trip to Denver. So I'll just assume that they both went very well with minimal stress. 
currently I'm just enjoying like, you know, the little things in life, like using fresh passion fruit as a shot glass for Malibu rum. Yeah, it sounds good. It's real fucking good. Get you some passion fruit if you can. Yeah. Otherwise I've just been really obsessed with the Sandman. I've already maybe rewatched like my favorite episodes and scenes maybe too many times. And I have been rereading the comics, which I haven't read for like a good, you know, 25 years. And I haven't finished reading. I only read, I think, the first two volumes, maybe, and then bits and pieces because I never owned it. I just read it whenever I was at somebody's house and they had it. I've been enjoying them and enjoying the the huge sob festivals that I've been having <laughs> after reading them and during reading them and yeah. It's so good. I love Sandman. It's so good. And the show is absolutely everything it needed to be. Mm-hmm. So good. I love how much Neil Gaiman's just not having it with all the people that are like, well, but why you change this? But why you change that? Well, why isn't everybody straight and white? He's all like, shut up. Don't care. Yeah. I love the, the detail of the fact that the, the ratio of the screen is it is seven percent narrower than the typical screen ratio so everything is just slightly elongated and just slightly outside what we're used to viewing um that just kind of helps set that like surreal tone and what a amazing little touch that is i will have to pay more attention to that like i can see that it definitely adds to it to yeah. like make it feel more like the comics since everything's a lot more everyone's very wispy in the comics mm-hmm. and like humans are not proportioned that way so like it really helps make it feel as close to the artwork as you can get without like dropping massive cgi on people and having them still just be the actors right which is exactly what they wanted to avoid i think they tried to do some cg effects with tom sturge's eyes to make it more out of this world looking Mm -hmm. or inhuman and they said it just wasn't good you know it just it took you right out of it practical effects are always better yeah yeah. i love how passionate tom sturridge is like he's a big fucking nerd you wouldn't think like a boy that hot would be (laughs) like that nerdy i mean to be fair look at henry cavill i don't i've never (laughs) he's a big old nerd he paints warhammer minis and rebuilds computers oh that's so sweet i was like i was gonna say i haven't seen him in anything oh my god hello the witcher yeah i was all like (laughs) you've seen the witcher Witcher. i've seen the witcher yeah Yeah. i was like i haven't fucking watched justice league fuck that oh right no but i have that noise haven't you also seen the tutors yeah Yeah, young henry cavill is in that he's the one who like initially marries henry's sister like first he has the affair with her and then they get married and then she dies tragically oh oh okay I wonder Hold if that's Neville. Like they hate each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. and they have like, they have like, oh, sex on a boat, and <laughs> then they like, they get married. Much like, even though Henry's all like, oh, you will marry in disgrace, and you will not be my sister anymore. Yes, he's yes. Uh, Charles Brandon. Yes, 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 yes. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. Gosh, he was super cute in that. So mine, obviously, besides Sandman and the trip to the Bay Area. Lynn had been showing me Dimension 20's Fantasy High, and I love it very, very much. It's very fun and very 
very enjoyable. I've just, I, I wish I was watching it right now after this, but it's definitely bedtime after this. We also started watching Paper Girls and we are five episodes in and it's very interesting so far. I'm really excited to see where, where it goes. It's really interesting storytelling. So Elisa, since you're watching it, then it's not horror. No, 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 it's not horror. Okay. It's suspenseful. Yeah. Okay. It feels like a graphic novel. It does. Yeah, because I think it's based on the graphic novel. Yeah, it's based, yeah. It's, it's based on the, the Paper Girls graphic novel. Yeah, mm-hmm. cool. Well, good. I'll have to give it a go. All right. Next time on Once Upon a Rewatch, Emma arrives in Stroybrook with Henry and reunites with her friends and family, only to discover that no one remembers how they were transported back or the past year that they spent back in the Enchanted Forest. But Emma is sure that someone in town is responsible for this new curse and teams up with Regina in an attempt to uncover their identity. Meanwhile, in the enchanted forest that was, Regina, with the aid of Robin Hood, attempts to break into her castle, which has been overtaken by the Wicked Witch. Thank you for tuning in to Once Upon a Rewatch. We are the Narrators 3. The moral of this episode is, no more flying monkeys jumping on my show. Get them out of here. Talk fairy tales with us on anchor.fm slash once upon a rewatch. Tweet us at once upon rewatch. Participate in episodic polls on Instagram at once upon rewatch. Follow us at once upon a rewatch.tumblr.com. If you enjoy once upon a rewatch, please leave us a review on Apple podcasts or on your platform of choice. The artwork for a podcast was by Lychee Ruru. We want to say a very special thank you to the master of free music, Kevin McLeod. Our intro music is Frost Waltz, and our outro music is Fairy Tale Waltz. This podcast uses material from episode-specific pages on the Once Upon a Time wiki at Fandom and is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike license. And remember, all plot devices come with a price. Bell confronts, uh, confronts, confronts. She confronts Neil. She just punches him. <laughs> Where were you? The sucker punches him right in the back of the head. <laughs> Bell mad. Bell smash. <laughs> Librarian at large. 